Welcome to Ben Navarra's podcast with your host, Ben Navarra's. All right, we have a little countdown. I think it just passed. So, hi, thanks, and welcome back to the Ben Navarra's podcast. Thanks for joining me, Miss Jenna. Um, Jenna has, is joining us uh, from the Valley here today, and she is. Um, a business owner, a former athlete, I mean, lots, lots of things. And we're going to continue to learn about who, who Jenna is. So thank you for taking the time to, to come on. Thank today, you Jenna. for having me. Where are you from, Jenna? I am originally from a small town called Progresso Lakes. It is, I always tell everyone, if you are drawing uh, Texas, we are like the line uh, at the very, very tip. Um, so I lived, uh, or grew up in Progresso Lakes and I went to school in Westlaco, which is like the bigger city, um, like 20 minutes, 20 miles from there. Yeah. No way. That's cool. Do you, well, which did you, are you, where, what's the difference? Uh, you have like the Cougars or like the, right? No, am I wrong? <laughs> uh, I, I, what, what are the names? You have two different schools. Um, what are the, what are the different it's mascots? The, the Panthers and the Wildcats. You're not too far off. They're cats, so they're cats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, which one? Which one were and you? The better one. Um, that would be the Panthers. <laughs> no, that, that's like nice. that's like and, the OG and, high school, the first one that that's been there. And then Wildcats is one of the newer high schools. Or it was, um, I think, it opened up when we started high school in two. Well, two thousand four. Yeah, two thousand four. Wow, that's pretty neat. That, that's uh, you know, I didn't realize. I I thought they were both at the same time. I guess, but that's usually how cities goes. I guess, right? They they get larger. They need the new school. They do yeah. a little thing. Um, and so, are your parent? Are your parents from that area yeah, as well? Yeah. Um, well, actually, my mom is from uh, Real Grande City, which is still a part of the Valley. My dad is from Westaco. So yeah, they they grew up in the Valley, uh, born and raised. Very nice. And what was what was growing up like in the valley? Do you remember your 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 days as a, a, a hoodlum in, in like the third, second, third grade, and, and what it kind of felt like and looked like? Um, to be real honest, and I'm not even just saying this because of your podcast, but my life has just been completely um, all about sports, all about running track, and so I grew up uh, sleeping, breathing, eating, and repeating. Uh, running cross country track. And so life for me, since I was six years old, I was a, a competitive athlete. So that's what it was like for me. Now that I know that's not everyone else's experience, but um, that's, that was my experience. I was always just in the gym, um, trying to figure out how to be a better athlete, training, that kind of stuff. From six years old, you realized that this was the thing that you wanted to do? Yeah. What, what, like, what was it, do you have a, a memory of, like, what it was like taking that first, like, when you first started realizing this, like, I can do this maybe for a sport and what, like, like do, do you like have a memory? defining moment? Um, yeah. No, but it's funny because the teachers would always tell my mom, she's always racing the boys uh, on the playground. And so that was, that was my thing. I would always challenge everyone or challenge the boys because I was whooping the girls. So I would challenge the boys to uh, to a race on the playground. So I was always uh, doing that kind of stuff. And then I think I just realized I was good at it. And I 
it felt good to be good at something. And so I wanted to get better at it. I just have always been uh, a competitor. So uh, I don't have like an exact defining moment, but I've had that competitive spirit in me since I was little. I think some people are just born with it. You know, some people just have that yeah. thing in them that some people do have a defining moment where they realize like they try to sport and they're like, Oh my God, this is like, I love this. This is so cool. But then when you have somebody who starts off so young, it's just something that's built inside of you and you have this passion that's just innate. Like, I think that it ends up moving into like so many different parts of your life. You end up, um, it, it doesn't just stop at the sports world. It's like, it's part of who that. you are and you can kind of see that with, with where you yes. are now. Um, and it, you know, so we we so take me through. We started started competing in. Um, so I guess when did you start competing? You said like you start six, but what did like what do those competitions look like when you're six? It was a uh, AAU track. So the organization AAU. That's how I started out. It just started out as um, I think my mom just looking for activities for me to do in the summer. Um, I was just a kid with a lot of energy, and so she would take me to tennis and to track and swimming and all kinds of sports but um but track was the one thing that i kept asking for that i wanted to go back for um so um i would start i think we had like a little local competition and then as the years progressed you started going to regionals which was in san antonio uh and then eventually once you get to like um middle school and up they have the junior olympics and so uh, I would compete or I qualified for junior Olympics when I was like 12, 13 years old. And so summer track was what I would really look forward to until it was offered in school, because then you go to school and you have, you know, all kinds of sports when you get to middle school. So if I if it wasn't available to me in school, I was looking for it outside of school and organizations like uh, AAU. Damn, that's so yeah. cool. I mean, that is, I, I didn't even know that you could do, I mean, it makes, I guess it makes sense, right? But it's a space that I don't really know. I didn't know you could do <laughs> track that young. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think my parents knew either. They were just like trying to find stuff for me to do. And so I, I wound up at a track and started running and, and yeah, the rest is history. I love it. I mean, we're, we're, I want to talk about the history. <laughs> I mean, so you, you, so getting, once you started getting into, um, middle school you're more adept and understand like you have this like this the knowledge of the sport and what it's like to like to go off of a gun right versus maybe somebody who started a little bit later could you see a difference between your experience as a as somebody who's been ex as an experienced athlete versus someone who may have been just starting as a seventh Dude, grade yes i was i was a crazy little kid um i was already like taking supplements and, and meal prepping. Oh my so God. So here's the thing I had, a, um, the commitment yeah, is yeah, real. It was, it was kind of scary. And I want to talk about that too, about how sometimes all of that is not a good thing. I mean, I know it sounds great because, um, it did help me a lot and I got to run D one track. And I mean, it's made a huge impact in my life, but aspects of it were not very healthy. So we can we can go into that, but um, my my godfather was a personal trainer. He owned his own gym, and so when I started to realize that I was good at this thing, I was like, I want to be better. I was like hungry for it, and so I would call on him and ask him for workouts, for supplements, just anything to give me an edge. 
And so he started me like on a little meal plan. He taught me how to count macros. Um, he, he taught me about supplements. And so I started to, um, you know, to do all of that, to get into it. And, um, yeah, I could definitely tell a difference between myself and the other little girls that, that I was competing against. And, um, in a way it was, it was cool because I knew that I was going to be better than them. But at the same time, I, I noticed like my body was different because I was muscular and I, I was like 12 years old and I had like, you know, I had little shoulders and a little six pack and like these big old <laughs> legs. So, I mean, as a young, uh, young girl that definitely kind of played with my psyche a bit. So it was good in the aspect that it made me a great athlete, but at the same time, it kind of made me very conscious of my body. So that was another thing that I was, that I bat that I had battled in, um, in my development as a, as a girl and into a teenager and into a, a woman. So a lot of, that's a lot of my story is a little bit of body, uh, image issues and, um, just, um, you know, like I said, it's some aspects of it were good. Um, but then I also had to heal, uh, from some other stuff too, that were a part of it. Yeah. I mean, I think, especially as a, as a girl going through all these, these changes and then just notice that there's a, a physical difference between you and all the other girls that are, that are, that are, I think unfortunately can be uh, very mean during that age because everyone's trying to figure out what's going on, who is who. And then there's a lot of internal changes that people are trying to yeah. understand and regulate their emotions. I mean, as a, as a young lady trying to go through that sport and then trying to be though their, their absolute best, but then understanding like, Oh my, but the, my body isn't the yeah. same. Like, is this good or bad? And, and it's not, it's, if I, for, for everybody, they kind of perceive it as a different way, but then obviously, you know, you, you, you had, you had that experience of maybe, Oh no. And uh, it, was it a negative like perception of yourself at that time, or was it just an, a, an understanding of I am different? Um, a little bit of both. So it, it, very much I am different. And then internally, I was just battling, um, not liking the different, but also, but at the same time, by the same token, I was like, but I, I am different and I need to be different because I'm doing something else. I'm doing something bigger. I'm trying to accomplish these big goals in, uh, in track. And so it was like an understanding of this is how it's got to be. That's a weird so feeling. Weird. Yeah. No, I, I would have um, friends call me when I was like in the 12, when I was, I mean, when I was 12 or 13, they would call my, my house. You know, we had just like a regular phone, <laughs> no cell phones. Then. Yeah. A regular house phone. <laughs> and my friends would ask my mom, Hey, can Jenna come over? Can I talk to Jenna? And my mom would say, Oh, she's at the gym right now. And my friends would be like, what's the gym? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. And did that continue all the way into your your high school mm -hmm. years? Or did you start seeing more people that were recognizing, oh, if she's spending more time in the gym and then she's able to perform better than me, do you start gaining this sort of, you know, like, do you start having some sort of influence with your, with your other teammates? Yeah, I think so. I think that by the time you get to high school, it starts to level out. Like at that time, I think, more of the um, more of what I was dealing with was the internal stuff. Like on the outside, it was great. I was a leader in my uh, leader at school. 
I was um, a leader on my team. Um, a lot of the coach really uh, depended on me to get the girls motivated. And uh, I think that it, it did help. I was a, a positive role model for the other girls. And so I was never, I, I don't want to say like I was bullied or anything like that. If anything, it was a positive thing. So it, it did help a lot. Well, I think what's wild is that what we can see as something that could be positive and somebody else notices, like, you know, you have another little girl. It's like, oh, my God, she's so jacked. That's so cool. But then on the inside, you're like, I don't know what's going on <laughs> with me. Like, this is so weird and so yeah, hard. Like, girls and then, are not uh, supposed the, to be jacked. And that's what always bothered me is like, like girls are not, we're not supposed to look like that or we're not supposed to be that buff. And so when they would compare me to the boys, I was like, is that cool? Like, that's not cool. I don't think that's attractive. And so it was this, it was just like this battle of not feeling attractive as a, as a young girl, but then other girls like, Oh my gosh, your legs are so beautiful. I love your butt and it's so big. And you know, so it, it's just, it's very conflicting. You want to, you, you have both this odd, like masculine energy, but then this odd feminine energy that are trying to coexist and not really knowing how to let them exist together. And that has been my, my work as an adult. You, you nailed it on the head right now. And you said this balance between feminine and masculine. So that's actually been what um, I've been working on for, for like the past five years is figuring out how to find the balance and to honor both sides, you know, to honor that masculine energy. It's not a masculinity, it's a masculine energy. And then how to bring the feminine into it and just have them um, work well together. And so in what areas of your life now do you see yourself trying to find that balance? Like where was it hard initially that now you're kind of learning to figure out how to find that balance? I think what really changed me and there was a lead up to it, but what, what, ultimately changed me was uh giving birth to my daughter that was just life changing and i mean talk about feminine energy that's it right there yeah that is that is it so i had a i had a home birth um and so no medication like everything it's like what you see on tv like no drugs very raw very real <laughs> uh, it was a yeah that's 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 very yeah, real it was a 24-hour labor and um one thing that i am unpacking right now because i mean i'm still i still think about the experience of it but something that um has been uh how do i say like at the forefront of my mind is how painful the experience was but pain in a positive way and i don't think i had ever taken my body like when I would experience pain in a workout or at a um, when I was running track like that pain is different than the pain that I experienced when I was giving birth so I really feel that experiencing it in that way made me more proud of my femininity and the fact that your body can go through something so intense but it's still feminine you know and it's for something positive instead of um, the other pain that I had felt in the past, which was through, through working out and through grinding it out and through lifting weights through, you know, that's a more masculine experience. So having, having my, my daughter that way really, uh, changed me and it changed my perception of feminine energy. Like feminine doesn't mean that you're soft. Um, it's still a very, um, powerful energy. It's just different.
So that's, I think that's, uh, that's been my experience so far with, uh, with experiencing feminine energy and really trying to find my balance with the masculinity. I think that that area that those, those topics, the, the feminine and masculine energies are something that, you know, we, we hear a lot about now, um, that are, that I'm being exposed to a lot about, like, it's just, I have people in my community that a lot of female athletes that talk about trying to like, they, the, though they are masculine in that gym setting where they're like, I had one of my, one of my friends, like she likes to, to grunt or to like make a sound whenever she like make it's a big lift, right? She does clean and jerk and she wants to like give a, yeah. Mm, yeah. right. And she, she can, she can do that and feel confident and comfortable in it. But then outside wants to go to a nice restaurant and get dressed up and put makeup yeah. on and having this, this balance. Like, I don't think it gets any more of the epitome of, of feminine energy than with, um, than with, with having a baby. I mean, you, you get, to, you get to experience both ends of that yeah. spectrum as a, as an athlete. And then as a mom, I mean, and, and then to also have a, another, as a daughter, you get, you get to, to see what it is to, to be this like pure sense of, of not just joy and, and all those good things, but also just of a lady, yeah. like a, a, like just a, a pure girl. Right. And that's kind of, I, I assume that's a, a nice feeling to, a nice vision to be able to take a part of. There's nothing better. And to teach, to be able to teach my daughter that you can be strong and strong can mean so many different things. You can be strong in your body to have a baby, or you can be strong out in the gym, you know, hitting PRs. So I think, you know, you can experience strength in in both the masculinity and the femininity. And I'm really excited to teach her that from the ground up. I feel like I'm engineering, I'm engineering her at a very young age and, and hopefully a positive way i think i think that's what the coolest part about it being a parent is like you get to hopefully give off all of these beautiful lessons that you've learned in your life that you can pass down to this this new piece of you that hopefully will be able to get like a fast track education from the the both the the successes and the failures that we've had as as the more experienced individual um you have a really cool place to be able to make a, an impact on this person's life who will then impact who knows how many other lives, you know, Absolutely. like that's, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. You know, my dad used to tell me something when I was younger and it didn't hit me until I became a parent, but he would always say, I want you to be better than me. You know, I want, I want your generation to be better than our generation. And, uh, now that I have my daughter, I really feel like all of the lessons that I have learned and everything that I've healed from is truly just to give her the fast track so she can skip all of that and just get to get to the better parts you know like get to the good stuff get to her purpose and understand her her um her mission in life i I really think that that's so important and sometimes it takes us so long to get there because we're still sorting out you know all of the all of the trauma in our lives the junk you know um we're healing And, and that healing process takes you away from some of your passions and from your purpose on this earth. And um, I think it's important too to go through it because it does help you along the way. And it is part of uh, who you're becoming. But at the same time, like if I can, uh, if I can fast track her and get her to the good stuff so that she can uh, just use it as, as a stepping stone into, into where she's going in life, then, you know, my mission is complete as a parent. 
it's a but how does somebody i mean knowing that it's never and then it's a never ending journey and never ending like teaching process from you to your child what like at what point do you feel like uh, i've done it like we're here like we mm-hmm. made it do mm-hmm. you no no, no uh <laughs> oh lord <laughs> i think that uh if you stop evolving you die man like every day is something new and it's a new opportunity and we should strive to continue to grow i think that's what makes us amazing as humans and not only does it make us amazing that is what being a human is it's continuing to evolve so that we leave this place even better than what we found it for the next generation the i mean the greatest thing that i like the best quote is um we're on the shoulders of giants you know we're just like just stacking and stacking and stacking and seeing where it all goes and hopefully it's going in the right direction what what where does it go like what like what what do you want to see i mean for for your daughter what kind of world do you want to see moving forward for her i mean whether it be in the world of fitness or in business or like what are some some desires that you have that you're you know you, you want your daughter to be able to to be able to exist in honestly i just want to sit back and be the guardrails in her life let her figure out what it is that she's passionate about um and and let her passion guide her into what she's meant to do because i don't want to i was never pushed into fitness i was never expected to do anything everything that i did was because i wanted to and my parents just supported me in that and like i say they were the guardrails just making sure that i was safe and on the right track um and i want the same for her i i just want her to to know that she's supported and uh, and that we're going to be here for her no matter what. Of course, you know, do I, um, what do I say? Like, do, do I hope that she's into sports? Yeah, because it would be really neat to, to help her hone those skills. And I think that both my husband and I know how to. But at the end of the day, it's up to her. I just want her to, um, to feel like she has purpose and, uh, and to know that that purpose is is divine that it, it was it's by no mistake you know god gave her certain gifts certain passions and a mission to complete on this earth and so i want her to know that so that she can she can start working towards it because there's nothing more fulfilling to me at least than fulfilling your purpose and when you know that you just feel like you're here for a reason and uh, and that's what that, i mean that's what i'm trying to do every single day is just live my purpose what is that purpose? And so I consider myself a wellness advocate. Um, many of my businesses are in the wellness world. We have a juice bar. We have um, a supplement company, plant-based supplement company. Uh, I'm also a wellness coach. And so it's all about spreading wellness to you know, the average person. I feel like um, sometimes we think of wellness as like this upper echelon place where like the if only if you can afford it that's you know that you're into it you can only buy supplements if um you know you live this certain lifestyle but my goal is to spread it to absolutely everyone and to help people be inspired to live well and what i mean by living well is not just focusing on the physical dimension of their health but also their mental emotional and spiritual um, I believe that's where, where wellness is and that's what makes you feel more grounded and more balanced. And so I really um, 
try to advocate for that in my social media platforms and in my businesses. I try to um, uh, teach on on how it's how all of it is important. We're multidimensional beings, and so it's really important to give all of those areas of your life, those dimensions of yourself, uh, to, to to promote health in those areas. So, as someone who maybe is listening that doesn't have that framework or that road, like it seems like people that are, that have lived that life are like, Oh, anybody can do it. But then still they're thinking, I, I don't like, but how, like, how, what do I do? How do I go? Like there's so much information, mm-hmm. like how, so how does somebody who may be feeling those things have some sort of direction? Like where, where do they go? How do they know who to talk to? Man, I really think we overcomplicate health to be quite honest. I think that, um, just eating, eating whole nutrient dense foods. It's as simple as that as it's as simple as moving your body. You don't have to have the fanciest workout or the fanciest equipment. I really encourage people to just eat, just eat real food. And I think that we've really gotten away from just eating, you know, raw food that we can cook up in our kitchen. We, we, we have so much processed junk out there and we reach to that because it's convenient. But then, you know, years down the line, you're faced with all these health conditions and you're overweight and you're unhappy. But really, we, we overcomplicate it. Just eat real food, move your body, get sunlight, uh, you know, work on stress management, breathe. Simple things like that that we, that we overlook it is, is the key. I think that... I think you're. I think you're right. Right. Obviously, somebody who's who's in the industry as well. I mean, or have, has lived a life of, uh, you know, of, of fitness and health, and it comes almost so naturally and so easy. At, but there's for whatever reason, people still don't feel like they can partake, or they, you know, a lot of times people feel intimidated, yeah. and they don't feel like oh, I can't. I can't go to the gym. Like you have all these people who are big old buff people, and I'm over here only benching this or squatting yeah. this, and I think. I think the conversation is, it's okay. We all started mm-hmm. from somewhere. We all did, you know, push-ups at the house. We all did, you know, and that's little things to like work ourselves up and both both ha- have this this physical this, this body that we're they're, we're proud of that maybe we have a little bit more confidence or just enough confidence that now we can go yeah. to the gym. And yeah, I might not know what I'm doing, but there's 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 a bench press, there's a squat, and then I know how to do those things, yeah. right? And then you start like expanding on those things. And I think what's undervalued is that community, right? If if I look next next to me, that this guy over here is also squatting, and he looks like he's doing it better than me, it's a quick like, hey, I don't really know what I'm doing. Do you mind if you offer me some mm-hmm. advice, right? And I think gen- generally most people will are happy to offer and just say, Hey man, like a couple tidbits here and there. Um, and you can kind of tell if, if somebody who isn't doing it right, maybe you shouldn't go ask them or what might not look right. If they're like twisting and shaking and moving, that's the nicest thing. Or they have injuries. Maybe that's not the person you go to, but there's people out there that generally want people to have success and, and to feel good. And you have people like you who are trying to, not just on the nutrition front, but on like, on a wellness coach. So, what, so before, I, what is what is your role or responsibility as a wellness coach? What does that look like? Uh, my role as a wellness coach is to help people to uh, discover the multidimensionality that is them. Instead of uh, a lot of the clients that I work with 
have um, dieted and failed, or maybe they had success, but then they, you know, they gained the weight back or um, they've, they've worked out, but it, nothing is uh, a lifestyle. It's just a six week challenge or something that they do short, short term. So my goal as a wellness coach is to help them turn this uh, into a lifestyle and to realize that it's not just about their physical health, because most of them are, you know, they'll come in with some baseline knowledge of nutrition and fitness. But then, you know, I start to ask them, ask them about their stress levels. I'll start to ask them um, what they're, if, if they are spiritually connected. And when I say spiritual, it doesn't need to mean God. It could just be something that's bigger than them. That could be nature. It could be, you know, if you refer to it as the universe. Um, so it, and their emotional health. So it's realizing that, you know, they can work all day in the gym and have a perfect diet. But if they don't have those other areas in check, they are most likely not going to feel better in the long term. And so I want to help them access uh, more spiritual health, more mental and emotional health and bring it all together so that they're, uh, they're checking, not checking boxes, I don't like that, but they're, uh, they are encompassing all of this in their everyday life and not just for the short term. How do we take it from short term to long term? I know it sounds like a like a dumb question or maybe an e an easy answer here, but I think it's consistency. But for somebody who you know you you discount the the checking the box thing, but I think and I had I had a podcast a little while ago that I said it's like I I only set goals and never check boxes. But I thought about it a little more. I was like, you know what? Sometimes I do mm -hmm. check boxes if it's not something that's entirely um, that's that's that's. Um, something that's a little bit more new for me sometimes you know i need to have it written mm -hmm. on the wall where i can see it every day and say i need to practice you know my 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 meditation today for 10 minutes today i need to do this thing and so it, it's a checkbox of some sort but for someone who you know how, how do we ingrain this not just in, in a small scale but have our society and our communities think a little bit more focused on their their overall multidimensional health how, do, how can we continue to promote that for somebody who doesn't, you know, who isn't so akin to being in that space? No, you're absolutely right. So, you know, I, we were talking a little bit before you hit record about how it's business is a learning process and how it's all about baby steps. And I've definitely gotten it wrong a lot of times, but it's helped me to, um, to course correct and to, you know, to perfect the process. And so I think in the past, my coaching approach was a little too soft. And I bounce a lot of ideas off of my husband and he's my sounding board and we're, we're business partners. And so it's really great because, um, you know, he was a military guy, he comes from structure and I also come from a structured background, but like I mentioned, it wasn't, it became very unhealthy for me. And so I've become a little bit more relaxed and more about, you know, wellness and feeling good inside and not grinding it out so much. And so we have these conversations about, you know, he'll tell me like, it's important to have the boxes to check off. And, and I would say, I agree. But when I was in first coaching my clients, I was trying to get to, I was, I was being a little too soft on them and they didn't have my background. And so they weren't really um, finding that success. They weren't, they weren't being as habitual and committing to the program because I was being a little, a little bit um, soft. And so I would talk to my husband about it and he would say, 
babe, not everyone is like you. Like you're coming from a different background. Like you had the mo- you had you you're a motivated person to begin with. And then secondly, you know, you you have structure. It's just ingrained in you. That's just who you are. These people that are coming to you aren't necessarily that. And so it made a lot of sense to me when he when he put it that way. And so what you're saying about, you know, having the boxes to check off, I think it's absolutely important. So my program has changed so drastically since since I started. And um, I think you do need to have a commitment phase. Um, I mean, the whole thing needs to be about commitment, but I think you need to have a checking the box phase. And I do. That's the first the first six weeks of my program is about you have a, a list and you have to do, you know, something every single day and make sure that it gets done. And that's how you wind up sticking to something is it becomes habitual. And so that's step one. And then, you know, step two is um, being intentional about it. So that's the other thing that I coach on is what is what is the bigger meaning of all this? You know, when you are very um, topical about why you're trying to get healthy, like, oh, I just want to have a six pack or you know, I want to be buff, that's not going to, that's not going to stick. That doesn't last. But if you are more intentional with your goals, like, you know, I want to pass down generational health to my children, because that is what is going to keep my family line going. You know, if I don't pass down disease, if I, um, if I'm a good model of, of health, you know, I'm cooking in the kitchen and, and I'm working out, my daughter is going to see that. And, uh, that's just going to be life for her. She's not going to know that I'm on a diet or she's not going to know that I have to get burned 500 calories at every single workout. That's just going to be life for her. And so I encourage my clients to find something that's really deep and meaningful to them and to be intentional about it and to remember that as they're in this process. And, um, and the goal is that it doesn't, it doesn't just fade when you get the six pack or when you, you know, when you reach a certain body fat percentage, it continues uh, as a lifestyle. I think that, you know, those baby steps is, are the, the, the way to go, right? It's like you, you might, I think the people that a lot of times that we see on social media are not, not all of them, of course, but there's this, I see it a lot. This is idea that's like, Oh, you know, you just, you know, you get up there every day and you just grind it out and it is what it is. And I think that there's, there's part of it that, yeah, sure. That that's some of it, but if you're, in, if you're in the mix of it, you don't know what you're grinding out. If you're just starting out, then what are you grinding <laughs> towards? What I mean, there, there's, there's so much there's, do I stretch today? Do I work out today? Do I run yeah. today? Like, do I, do I pray? Do I meditate? Like, do, am I sitting in the sauna? I mean, the, the, it's endless. Right. And so, I think what you're doing is like you're creating, which is really cool. Like you have this end goal in mind. You, you see it, you've done it, you know it. And you can kind of see somewhere it's like, well, we're going to go ahead and we're going to get our, you know, we have four hours of sleep every day. We're going to get six, right? Let's check off, let's check off six hours. Right. And then you create this, this better life for this individual and they like, they see it, but they don't really realize it. And then months down the road, they're like, man, I've been like quote unquote grinding for months now. And it's just normal. It's like, this is part of who I am. And that, I think that athlete mindset, what it creates is this, you know, you don't, I think one of my colleagues here in town, he says, every, every single person's an athlete, every single body is made to Mm -hmm. move. You don't need to be at the Olympics to consider yourself an athlete. I can walk every single day with my dog and 
get myself some stretches, I'm an yeah. athlete and I get to and I get to decide on the level of output that I am comfortable with to live the rest of my mm-hmm. life. It's not this is it, I'm making my money and living off of this, but I like you said, like you you get to you get to show your daughter this is what we do. This is how we live. We we live a nice, healthy and sustainable lifestyle. Right. And can we turn it on? Sure. We can we can turn it on when mm-hmm. we need it. But as a sustainable um lifestyle, this is what yeah. we do. And if you're what you're doing is really cool. Like you provide a, an insane value to somebody that I don't think they recognize. And I think that's a lot of fitness individuals, but you have this, you know, I, I, I just, I like the structure that you kind of bring and the mentality and you're, it's, it is multidimensional. We have all these different portions of us that we need to, to attack or like to, to understand and, and heal. And so I am interested in, in, in how you take on every, all, all these different dimensions uh, and your progression. Like, do you start somebody off who's new in with, with, um, with spiritual stuff are you like combining all of it at once like how does that look so we i bring in the physical we have some physical homework to do and i give them an outline of what the physical part looks like and physical is broken down into uh nutrition and fitness and then i have the mental and emotional as another as another leg of the program and they have some uh some work to do in in that department and then we have the spiritual component and spiritual can be like some of their homework there could look like uh, writing three things down that they're grateful for every single morning that's actually the first thing that or the first uh, um, homework that I give them in in the spiritual leg of, of the program I tell them to put a sticky note or sticky pad by their toothbrush so every morning they wake up they write three things that they're grateful for along with their weight they weigh in, they write three things that they're grateful for, and they can either take that sticky note with them so it travels with them all day, or they can put it up on their mirror. But the idea is to get into this practice of being grateful for what they have instead of thinking about you know, how the things that they don't have. So perspective is everything. So that's how we, that's how we do it. And every, um, every four weeks, the program changes. We add a little bit more um, meat and potato to the, to the work, to the physical, you know, they'll add more fitness. Now that they've created that baseline, we'll um, take a deeper dive into their nutrition, depending on how they feel after those four weeks. If we need to remove grain, we'll remove grain. If they're sensitive to dairy, you know, we start to tinker a little bit more. Um, First, the first month, I just want you to eat, eat real food. And that's really hard for some people is just pulling out that junk food. Uh, or pulling out the um, the convenience of fast food. So, um, and then um, where was I going with that? So, so yeah, we're 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 yeah, I think we we're did. building. We're we're just adding Go a little it. bit more every single every single month, and it's a three month program. And so the idea is that you know you can now that you've created that foundation, you can add a little bit more because now you you understand the basics, and so you just add a little bit more and a little bit more. Uh, and that's, that's how we do it. I like it. And can like, do, do you, will you continue to see an athlete even after three months? I will. I'm more on a, uh, I like that you said that an athlete. Yeah. They're athletes. <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah, I, I'll work with them outside of the program. So my program is a 12, it's designed to be 12 weeks, but if they want to continue to work and to optimize, uh, 
I'll work with them, but I also really suggest that they start dialing it in with um, their hormones, like looking into getting some labs done and uh, reaching out to a functional medicine doctor so they can start to balance hormones. Um, I also advocate for uh, optimizing gut health because that's another area that a lot of people struggle in is, is gut health. And by the time they've done 12 weeks with me, they've corrected a lot of their um, gut, uh, maybe not disorder, but dysfunction. Um, but there's still so much optimization that can be done in that area. And then I really encourage like heavy metal detoxes and, um, and just working on their mitochondrial health. And it's out of my scope. And so that's why I tell them like, hey, you know, you've, you've done all the baseline work. You've created a good foundation for yourself. So now it's time to take it to the next level. And I, I really think that that next level is um, with a functional wellness doctor or um, uh, a nutritional therapist of some sort. And do you have those relationships with like local and like local doctors that you have trust? And so I don't know if this, I don't know if I'll keep this in, but what, what, how do you keep, how do you create that relationship? And what does that relationship look like with, with a doctor? That's an interesting question. Um, so I, I feel like I'm really active in my community. And so I know like, maybe it's not even that it's, I'm active in the community, but I'm interested in wellness just personally. And so I'm always seeking out information. I'm looking for professionals, people that know more than me. That's how you learn. Right. And so my own, um, my own journey has helped me to learn about the professionals in my community. And so I start to develop relationships with them through that, but then it doesn't hurt that we also own a juice bar that's pretty popular in our area. And so they know about our juice bar and we connect on that level so I'm making these connections because of my personal interest in optimizing my own health, um, but also because of our, our businesses in the health industry. So it's like an athlete starting off with their health, but in business. It's not just this, like, sure, it starts off as a checklist, like, you got to get the LLC, you got to get all these little, like, you got to get a CPA, you got to get all these little certifications and, and licenses. But then if it's something that you really love and enjoy, it's something that's, it's your life. It's your lifestyle. Oh, yeah. it's you, you just, you yourself are making the connection. You're like, oh, hey, by the way, I also do this. And so if you want to connect with that person, then then that, like, I use that person. Oh, and like, I, I get some good data. And it is what what you are doing for other people is just in one lane that you've been able to perfect. But then like there's people who are maybe like the business coach, right? Who do the same thing that have seen success in their business that end up coaching you and like, okay, we're going to go through our checklist first. And after we go through our checklist and then we're going to, it's going to, they're, they're gearing you into what it looks like to be a, an athlete or a business owner, or I guess that that's, they're educating Mm you on a, on a, on a, on a plan. And so you've, okay. Yeah, a so, thousand percent. Like all of this, um, all this started, like the only reason I'm a wellness coach or I do any of the things that I do is because of my own journey. And so I think that's, that's how, I don't know if that's how a lot of businesses start, but it's how our business started. It's just like your, your own interest leads you down a certain path. And then you just follow the breadcrumbs and you ask questions and you're talking to people that know more than you and that are helping you, um, 
add value to what you're already doing and you're optimizing. I love the word optimization because every day I'm trying to optimize my nutrition, my nutrition, my movement, my spiritual health, my business. I think everything can be better all the time. Like that's why when you asked earlier, like, do I ever feel like I'm done? Absolutely not. Cause there's so many things that can be optimized if you, and if you love it enough, you're going to have that craving to get better and get better. I like that a lot. So selfishly, I want to know what does it look like to start a business and run a business? I think that especially in the health and fitness industry, um, I, I was, I was always like, no, there's no, there, I can't, I can't make a, a living in that space. But I think the more people that I talk to that have, that have seen a lot of success in that space, I'm like, well, man, maybe, maybe there is an opportunity here. And, and so what does it look like? Like how, the confidence to make that move? I mean, I want to know yeah, all about cool. it. Um, so my husband and I started off as personal trainers. Um, we had our own gym. It was a little boutique style. We trained clients one-on-one. I think we tried the, the boot camp model for a little bit. Didn't really work out. And so we, we realized that, um, it was the, the money was in personal training. So we did that for like, I don't know, 2013, 12, probably about three years. And during those three years, uh, we started doing something that is what led to the next step. So we noticed that our clients were not fueling properly. So they would get a badass workout with us. And then we'd be like, okay, you know, you're going to go home. You're going to make a shake. Or, you know, if you can't make a shake, go pick one up at, you know, one of the local places. And either A, they wouldn't, they wouldn't make the shake themselves. Or B, we didn't necessarily like the ingredients that were being served at those shake those shake places. (laughs) So my husband and I started waking up on Monday morning really early. I mean, gym life is already early as it is like 5am, but we would, we would uh, wake up a little extra early at 430, head to the ice machine. Like, you know, one of those windmill, you know, pay, pay two bucks to get a Yeti full of ice, the Yeti ice chest. Uh We take it to the gym. We had a little supply of protein and maybe some, some fruits and some supplements and, we would blend up a shake for our clients and you know, they finish their workout, here's your shake. And so it turned out to be uh, really needed and, and they loved it. And so my husband was like, maybe we're onto something, you know, maybe we should consider opening up a, opening up a juice bar or a protein shop. And there was already, there's already some protein shops around here, but there wasn't really any juice bars at the time. There was one other juice bar there, one of our competitors, but before in 2015, like, you know, you, you didn't see a lot of these juice bars around. Uh, now there's a bunch of them. But anyway, so yeah. his concept was uh, drive through. He's like, we've got to make it a drive through because moms are busy. They have to unload their kids, go inside. And it's just like this whole, you know, whole fiasco. So he was like, we're going to open it up open it up, but it's going to be drive through. And so that's been our, our business model is it's, it's convenient, but it's still healthy. Cause a lot of times people think convenient means they have to sacrifice their health. And that's what we're, we're, we're telling people is like, no, you can still eat well um, and make it convenient. And so, so yeah. we opened up in 2015, we still had the gym at the time and um, he started going full time to the juice bar. You know, he's like, my, we've got to put our, our time and energy into that because that's what's going to 
make us money and it, it was a new business. And so he really needed to dedicate himself to that. Um, me, I was still training clients at the gym doing pretty well there, but it hit a crossroads where he was like, okay, we're, we're either going all in with this juice bar thing or we're not. And if we are, one of us needs to go back to work and, and get like a full-time job um, no more gym. We're gonna have to close the gym down and just make sure that the money that's coming in is, um, what do you, how do I say it? It's a, it's like for sure. Like, because the thing about being safe, safe yeah, something safe, the personal trainer life, you know, you have, you have busy seasons and then you have like the winter months that it dips. People are going to yeah. the fiesta traveling. traveling and they're not eating yeah. tamales and they don't really care about coming to their personal training sessions or they're canceling all the time. So it wasn't, it wasn't safe. Yeah. And so um, he always says, you're more marketable than I am because I was, I'm a military guy, like, and, and I need to be at the business. Uh, and so it looks like you're the one going back to work. And Ooh, that was like, I was so angry. Um, it, it's not what I wanted to do at the time, but it's what I knew we needed to do. And, uh, so yeah, we're being real honest. I, I didn't want to leave my gym life. Like that's what I had been doing. I had been a personal trainer since I was 18. And yeah, yeah. so I mean, I did it in, while I was in college. I personal trained when I was, when I would come home in the summer, I would start little boot camps and like ladies would join my boot camp. And so that's what I knew. And that's what I loved to do. Even though I had a college degree and everything, um, my life was gym life. And so when he told me, like, one of us needs to go back to work, I was like, oh, my gosh. But ni modo. <laughs> so <laughs> you know what that word means, right? Ni modo. Yeah. So um, turns out I got, a really, I, I got a really cool gig as a medical device rep. Um, I got hired by a company called Boston Scientific. And I became a clinician in the field of cardio rhythm management. So basically like pacemakers and defibrillators. So it was still pretty cool for me because it still dealt with the body and it was very technical, sciencey, and I, I had to learn a lot. So I was interested. It was right up my alley. And so I started while the business was growing and, and really planting its roots, I was keeping us safe financially with this uh, medical device job that I got. And so, so that's what it looked like in the early days. And I, I stayed with Boston Scientific. I still am with them on a part-time basis. In uh, 2021, I made my move to go part-time. That's when we, you know, we looked at our financials and, and our growth and realized that I could afford to take a step back and put my time and my energy into our, our other businesses or to help my husband. And, um, and here we are in 2023. And, and now we're on our third store. Um, we've started, wow. we started a new business model, because we've realized how time consuming it is to open up a brand new store. So we, um, we really love to travel and live life. And we don't want to be slaves to money. And so you know, we don't want to sacrifice time for money anymore. And so we've switched to a franchise model with the juice bar. So we are opening new stores through, uh, through another outlet, through other partners, franchisees. So that's something new that we are expanding into. We also have our supplement line 
And, um, and that's kind of still in its infancy getting off the ground. But the whole idea is to not be a slave to the store, you know, because we want to, we want to enjoy our daughter. We want to travel places. We want to relax. And I think, you know, hustle mentality is cool if that's, if that's what you want to do. But for us, it just, it's not for us. And I think we've realized that as we've gotten older. I think that, man, I think that the grind is nice and all, but I think you're right. hundred percent. I just, it, it's, it's not sustainable. Like, there's so much more to, to the world than just working for something and and working and being a slave to money. Yeah. And I think that, you know, like you can build relationships and travel and see the world. Like that's, that's the move. Mm-hmm. So now that you guys, so you guys have the three, I want to learn about what it's like to do a supplement company mm. from the get go. How did you choose a manufacturer? So our supplement company. How did you come up with the idea? I guess. Yeah. So I'm really into into plant medicine. I, I'm a big believer in that nature offers everything that we need, and it can impact your health. It can positively impact your health, and so um, we we decided that we were going to open this um, supplement line or this um, supplement company, and uh, we don't make. So just disclaimer, we do not make our own, um, our own products. We basically, we, um, we white label them. We, white yeah, label. they're, they're, they're yeah. all white label. So we found some products that we personally were taking and really liked. And we started off with those as our first supplements. So we reached out to the manufacturer and told them like, we really like your product. Are you, are you white labeling this? Are you interested? And sure enough, they were. And what's great about the people that we're working with for, we have three supplements right now. And these three supplements are all um, manufactured in the Valley. So that was really neat for us is we really wanted to partner with people that were from our own community and that were passionate about what they're doing. Um, I think what's really neat about what my husband and I have created is we're really good at marketing. And so having a good product and just marketing the hell out of it is, is what we're good at. You know, it took us a long time to figure that out, but, but we're good at it. And so we want to capitalize on it now. And so, um, that, that's how we went about this whole supplement thing is just find the product that you really love and want and, and then just run with it, you know, shooting it, um, getting good pictures of it, getting good content of it, um, spreading it through your social media platforms. Like all of that is really important to, to the success of the, of the business. And so are you guys looking at doing like Amazon sales, online sales? You guys have your own website. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so we are not on Amazon yet. But um, we have our own website. It's activatedwellnesslabs.com. No, not labs. That's the name of the LLC. It's activatedwellness.com. Um, and we offer our, our three products on there right now. We've got, um, we've got reishi mushroom, or it's a tincture, and that one's called Recover. And then we also have a lion's mane tincture. That one's called Focus. And then we have a nopal and chia detox, and that one is called Cleanse. So we're looking to expand this as we find more products that fit our brand and our culture. 
and uh, and hopefully we'll you know we'll have a whole website full of these products. But for now, it's those three. Why tinctures, tinctures, and not powders? And, and yeah, from what I understand about the difference is that the tinctures are uh, more bioavailable, so they don't have to travel through the digestive tract like the way a a powder does. Which do you mind if I ask? Who, I don't know if this is allowed, and I'll take it out if needed. Okay. Who's your manufacturer? Their their names are uh, or their name is One Up Mushroom Products. They also sell a tincture. Uh, like I said, it's it's white label, so they sell under their yeah. under their brand. Um, but they they grow in Mission, um, and they also um, manufacture here in a. There's, I think it's in Mission, is where their their factory is. I mean, they they take the mushroom, they dry it out, they let it sit in a vat of alcohol, and then they um, double extract it with some water, and um, they turn it into a tincture. They bottle it up, label it, and send it to us, or we pick it up. Why did you guys choose to do white label? Mm. Well, I mean, we don't want to reinvent the wheel. Like, I know you, <laughs> you're you real um, savvy over there coming up with your own supplements, but we're not reinventing the wheel and trying to make up new stuff. Like like I said, we figured out that we're really good at just um, using our platforms to market our stuff and, and sell it. And so that's why we've gone that route. Is that, is that, gotcha. is that It makes me question? think that, for sure, I think, I think it... It makes me feel like I'm working so hard, well, you know, no, like I, I, dude, but if you have a good product and you know what you're doing then then go for it. Like I'm telling you, my husband and I have just realized that we, you don't need to reinvent the wheel with a lot of these things. Like we're, we're just trying yeah. to, um, I like, we want to make money. We just don't want to spend all the time wasting all our time doing it. And so I think being really creative with your business model is what's important. So we're not. We're not being creative with the actual product. We're being creative with with how we sell it and how we how we brand it, how we market it. So I think that's that's just more up our alley than coming up with our own supplements. Because if that were the case, gosh, we honestly I don't know that we'd ever get anywhere because it's not our forte. And I think that's important in business yeah. is knowing what you're good at and being honest about it. Like if you would have asked me a year ago to, I would not have told you. Oh, it's just that you know, we're good at branding and good at marketing. I wouldn't have admitted that, but I know that that's what we're good at. And I know I can now say it with confidence um, because I know that we're good at it. So yeah, I think that that's important is if, if you're not good at that part, outsource it. But if yeah. you're good at making products and, and you know, the biochemistry and you want to put compounds together by all means, like that's, that's part of your gift. And I think it's important you honor yeah. that gift. Um, and, and if you're passionate about it, go for it. But that's just not, that's not where we're at. Yeah. I think, I think that it, I think what's hard is that I can, I feel like I can see so many different aspects of what I could be good at. And it's like, oh, I'm really good at sales, right? I, I'm good at marketing, if you will. Sales, marketing, I think they're, I think they're interchangeable terms. Um, I know how to, how to make something look, you know, I know how to I know how to market yeah. Yeah. pretty well. And if I and if, if if I'm not the most creative in understanding how to um I'm not I'm not good 
at being creative with logos. I suck mm-hmm. at logos, 100%. Not my area. But I know somebody who is, and so I can outsource certain certain things. But I think that there's a lot of value in in knowing what you're good at, and then, but how do, how do you how do you know what you're good at unless you you know you don't attempt, right? Yeah. Like, I guess I want to try it all until I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not good yeah, at that one. Yeah, no, I think that's real. Is that kind of what you all did as yeah, well? Yeah, absolutely. Like when I told you that, you know, you you figure out like this whole thing has been a process. It's been, my husband and I have been together for seven years, married seven together for nine. And as long as we've been together, we have been business partners with each other, figuring it out, figuring it out. You know, like, I I don't think we knew we were just, you know, taking it as it came. We would take an opportunity, go with it. Didn't work out. You pivot or you realize, Hey, I really don't like this or I don't see anything coming coming out of it, you know, like we're putting a lot of effort and energy into this and it's the return is not that great. And so we had to go through that to move away from it. But if we didn't, if we didn't take the time, then I don't think we would have ever learned. Um, But I also think we do know, you know, as, as human beings, and this is something that I try to get my clients to really tap into is like, get to know yourself a little bit better. I think we, uh, we don't take enough time to do like that introspection of self. And once you get to know yourself better, you, you can, um, you can do better. You can, um, put your energy into things that you really care about and things that you you're really good at instead of wasting so much time. But sometimes we skip that part cause we're, you know, life is noisy and chaotic. And so we don't do that, that self work. And I think that's really important, especially as a business owner. Do you think that that self-work can be accomplished through asking other people questions? Yes. Ask, use all of your resources, ask people questions. I actually read this really cool book. Um, uh, it's by the author. I'll have to, I'll have to tell you once we hang up and like, in case you want to share, cause I thought it was like a really yeah. changing book for me. But it's the power of asking. And he's the, the author is the, he wrote the chicken noodle soup. You remember those, that book series? Chicken noodle soup I for do, the soul I do, but I don't, I never read it. Okay, yeah. well, he, that guy. Um, but he talks about how as humans, we have an edge on all of the creatures on earth. And that's the power that we, we can talk. We can use our voice and we can ask questions. And that is how we evolve. And the biggest mistake that we make is not asking. And, um, there, I, I really do believe that it's true. You know, sometimes we're, so, we're scared. There's fear. We don't want to, we don't want to approach someone because they might think we look stupid or we think our, our question is stupid. Um, or you think that the ask is too much instead of like taking your chances on it. And so that's what this whole book is about. It's just like not being afraid to ask and using your resources to, to um, get ahead in life and to accomplish some of these things that seem too big for just you, for just one person. But if you start to ask outside of yourself, then they're more accomplishable. I think that usually it's a, it's, I think the phrasing, and I don't know how to change it because I had this conversation with my last podcast as well. It's like this concept of, of using your resources, I think has a negative connotation. It's like, 
how do how does uh, how do I tell myself in my head that I'm not like I'm not using somebody, I'm not exploiting them. However, I am using them as a resource, right? I just don't know how else. Like I don't know if it's my own like my own projection of um, this feeling of using somebody um, and how that can be negative, but. I want to be able to find a phrase that is not using someone yeah. and not taking advantage of, but it's like making the most out of that resource. Like it's just people helping people, yes. helping well, each other me, and asking the right let questions. Let me ask you this. Asking if you're questions. an expert in your field or you know a lot about something, doesn't it feel good to share that with other people? Always. Yeah, right? Like people – People DM me all the time like, hey, I know you're into this wellness stuff. Like I have a question about blah, blah, blah. And I know like there are some um, influencers out there that will say, you know, don't ask me these questions because it's not free or this is how I make my money. But I guess that's the power of asking is you don't know if that if that person is going to be willing to share or not. In my case, I love to share because I could talk about this shit you know, all day long. I love it. Like I live, breathe, eat everything wellness. And so when people come to me asking for advice or what I think about something, I want to, you know, I, I wind up typing like this long paragraph. I don't just say yes or no, or, or recommend a supplement. Like I want to talk to them about the how, the why, and, you know, or, or even tell them, you know what, I don't know the answer, but I do have uh, a friend of mine that specializes in this stuff. Let me send you over to her. And so I, I just, I, I, I don't think that it's, you're using someone, you're really giving them an opportunity to share something that they're really excited about and passionate about. So think about it like that. I think that's a good, that's, I think that that's a good one. I think that I like that perspective. You're giving someone else the opportunity to help yeah. or to talk about the thing that they're passionate about. I think I'm going to continue to, I don't know, I kind of want to, I want to perfect that phrase just like, Making it, making it, um, short and palatable mm. and and um, easy to convey. It's like, how can I create this? You know, this this phrase that yes communicates giving somebody else the opportunity to help, but then shorten it, short shorten it so that it becomes part of our normal lexicon. Like, how can we make it so that that this phrase of using somebody else is not seen as so negative, but instead. It's how to network, yeah. and I think like that, and and it's it's not just it's how to network, and then how to grow personally, and it's just like you with with your daughter. It's like you have all these skills and this knowledge, and uh, that you can now pass on to her and speed up her process of growth. The same idea. There's somebody else out there. There's a lot of people out there that have lived it, that have done it, and they can they can teach and educate. And then it's just saying, "Hey, I don't know this thing." And then that little tidbit of knowledge saves you ten years, five years, whatever, two weeks. It's time that you cannot get back. Yeah. You know, it's it's insanely valuable. Yeah, you know. So I read this book and it was really impactful. But it, it, when I was reading it, it made me think of my dad. And this is the second time I mentioned my dad because. That guy, dude, that guy is wise. Like, I never realized how wise he was until I got older. But he used to tell me, hey, just call that person, pick up the phone and ask. The worst they could say is no. And he would always say, the worst they could say is no. And man, like it's Damn so right. true. Damn right. I think I never heard that until I started to do sales for another construction company. And it was just, what are they going to yeah. say? 
It, no. But you know what? Oh no. Our, our own ego, our one. own ego gets in the way sometimes. And I can totally like say that about myself is that, and, and I think I've grown from that. I have like, my ego is like this big now. It used to be a lot bigger, but, um, but now I'm, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid to ask and I'm not afraid to be rejected anymore. I think it's just time, right? It's time, knowledge, confidence. Mm-hmm. It's, it's being wise and owning those things. And I think anybody who's young and like they feel this, like I have to appease to everybody and I have to say yes. And I have to, and it's like, no, you're going to, you're going to say no to somebody and then they're going to put you in a lane that you're going to realize, Oh, that's not my, that's like, that's not my yeah. crew. That's not, those aren't my yeah. people. And that's okay. It's that's, that's a lot more helpful than you pretending you're this person. And then five years down the road, you end up realizing, wow, I hated the last five years. Like that, those weren't my people. And you stray away from who you mm-hmm. are. And I think that I am, that that's me kind of like almost in this situation now. It's like, I just, I, I, I'm no longer with the company I was with before, but it was just like a, oh, like finally, yeah. like, wow, that feels really good. Like I miss this part of me that I can just talk to people and love life and live and go to the gym whenever I want to go to the gym. And like, I miss that, yeah. you know? And you don't sometimes you don't realize it until afterwards, like hindsight's twenty twenty. But asking and being confident enough to say and, and to be wrong in, in somebody else's eyes, it's so like that's huge. Yeah. And taking taking the time to want get to know yourself, get to know what you like and don't like and being honest about it. That's the biggest thing is being honest. But also um, take time to look back. Like I, I think we're always looking forward and trying to figure out where we're going next, but like you said, when you, in hindsight, when you look back at it, you're like, wow, like I really didn't like all of that. I didn't, I didn't like the, the previous job that I was in. I didn't like that group of friends that I was in. But if you don't take the time to look back, then you won't get to know, um, won't take that opportunity to get to know yourself better and to maybe perfect where you're going in the next you know, year, five years, 10 years. Speaking of where, where does the wellness activator wellness labs, where do, where do y'all go from here? (laughs) What's next? So to be real honest, um, I know we were talking a lot about the wellness coaching stuff. Um, but that I think is going to take a little bit of a backseat right now because of that's what takes the most time, you know, working with clients one-on-one and, I mentioned that, you know, I, I don't, I want to spend more time with my daughter right now. She's in this really crucial and fun stage of life where I get to, I get to witness all her first. I get to see life through her eyes and I don't want to miss it. And so, um, that's why the business model of, um, of franchising is where we're at because it's what makes most sense for our lifestyle. Um, so wellness coaching is going to, I'm working with like three clients right now and I think I'm just going to keep it like that. Um, unless something really tempting comes up, it's got to be worth my time right now. Um, but what we're going to be focusing more of our time and energy on is, is finding franchisees they're finding the right partners to partner with so that we can expand shake express. I don't know if I ever mentioned that it was called shake express, but that's the name of our juice bar. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we want to expand that through, um, uh, through our, franchisees and um, get our sales up on activated wellness. Uh, we need more products also. So we're, we're in the market for adding new products to our website. 
And um, and that's where that's what we're gonna do for the next unforeseen future. I like it. Yeah. There, there's a lot of really cool opportunity to create this platform that you can maneuver in any way that's going to ultimately fit your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And that's what you guys, you guys are creating. You guys are doing it, you know, like you're in the middle of doing it and how motivating and inspiring it is on the other side of this to hear it. I'm like, let's go. Like, you yeah. know, like I, I'm, I'm all about it. And it's just, it makes me happy to see somebody else that has, that has taken it and is, that is, that is doing the thing. Like, I think a lot of us, a lot of people, I, it's like I, I have this dream, this idea of like making it a reality, but sometimes it seems so complicated. And I think your dad's right. Sometimes it's as easy as just picking up the phone, yeah. just calling, just asking. My my favorite quote, create your own reality. If it doesn't exist, create it. And I think that's the most beautiful thing about life is that we have the ability to create. We are co-creators. And if we don't take the opportunity to do it, someone else is going to do it. So why not you? Why not you? I don't know. Why not me? <laughs> you know, like we're going to continue to talk after we after we end this call here. Um, I don't know how long we've been going. How long we've we been going? What is it? An hour like? twelve. An hour twelve. All right. Um, we're going to go to call it at an hour twelve. <laughs> And I'm going to talk to you afterwards. Okay. Anything that you want to leave our podcast listeners with? Anything? This is your last opportunity. Oh, not your last opportunity, right? Oh, my God, right? Oh, my God. I want to give you the opportunity to impact. I want to like leave a nugget at the end of all my podcasts. Or, like, there's nuggets throughout the podcast. Yeah, yeah. sure. But, Dude, that's hard. like, I want to give the other person the opportunity to, like, something that's impacted you in your life or something that you've learned, some sort of wisdom, and you have – you have the floor. It's all yours. And as soon as you go ahead and, you know, you can, once you stop talking, I'm going to go ahead and end the recording and then we'll be good. That, that you're going to, you're going to close this out. All right. Um, so I would say, um, take time getting to know yourself, know that you are divine. You were given certain passions and gifts that tie into your purpose in life. And, you owe it to yourself and to the rest of the world to be a co-creator in this universe. And um, you have all the potential. So if you're not, if you don't do it, someone else is going to do it. So it may as well be you. Thank you for listening to the Ben Navarro's podcast. Check us out on iTunes, Spotify, and all other major podcast hosting platforms. Be sure to leave us a five-star review on iTunes.